Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. Oh, man, I just can't hardly believe that I'm married to such a hot woman. Wow. And I'm, I'm talking about hot in the spirit as well. Shekabungu. That's the. I mean, when I first met Kate in 1989, she was across the row in church. And it was my first Sunday um, at the church because my mom and dad had moved to the north of England. And dad had met uh, Kate's mom and dad. And discovered that they were pastors. And the, uh, Kate's mom and dad said, oh, um, where are you guys going to be going to church? And they said, we don't know, but we're looking for a fiery church, a charismatic church, because our, our sons have just caught fire and we need that kind of church. And it's not the church that, tradition that we're from, but we, for our sons' sakes, would like to go to that. At least that's the story as I remember it, mom and dad. <laughs> And, um, and Kate's father said, well, come to my church. I'm a pastor of a church just like that, one of the pastors. And so the first Sunday, we were there, and I'm there with my two brothers, and uh, I'm, in the, I'm in the first song, you know, in the worship, as any good 21-year-old does, you know, checking out all the worshipers in the room. And I saw Kate and her sisters, and Kate was on the end row. And I didn't realize she had just got back from L.A. where she had been doing a a DTS with YWAM, a discipleship training school, which back in 1988, it was very early 89. So back in 88, when, when she did that, and she's from a small mining village in the north of England. That was a huge deal for her uh, as a, I guess, 20, 21-year-old after university to head off to LA and do a DTS way over in the west coast of the United States of America, which for us English was very cool. And uh, I took one look at her with my eyes. My heart skipped a beat and I thought, I'm going to marry that girl. And I'm so glad I did. Because I've had the most blessed life with you. And you keep me on my toes all the time. Because you're just so on fire. And uh, I'd like to become more like you in 2024, darling. Yeah. And love Jesus with the kind of devotion you love him with. Also very excited this morning that our middle daughter, that is Jess, our lead pastor, her and Aaron right now are enjoying a little vacation time. Um, but our lead pastor, Jess Nineveh, her middle sister is with us from New Zealand. And she is our middle daughter and married an Australian, very handsome, six foot four and a half, half an inch taller than me. <laughs> which my eldest grandson, Jude, likes to remind me at least three or four times a year, Papa, you're not the tallest member of our family. (laughs) Abigail Grace, 
stand up and say hi to everybody. And that side. Your grandparents are on that side. Also, we have uh, our youngest daughter, Nat, and her husband, Nat and Matt. Stand up. Say hi to everybody. (laughs) You know, you can see they love doing that. They live in D.C., in Washington, D.C., keeping an eye on everything up there, making sure that things are all good up there in D.C., right, Nat and Matt? Yeah, so um, the title of my message this morning is Bye Bye Boasting and Betrayal. Bye Bye Boasting and Betrayal. And uh, I was in Matthew 26, my Bible reading through this year had me finishing in Matthew, uh, excuse me, in Daniel and Matthew, which is a different uh, uh, reading scheme, not, not one that I'm used to. And I was really struck a few days ago in Matthew 26 as I was just waiting on the Lord. I felt the Lord just open my eyes to just a few things regarding the end of this year and the beginning of 2024. And uh, shaka bongo. And, and I, I, just, I just had this thought as I was reading through Matthew 26 that there's two characters, two individuals here that show up in all four of the Gospels, the same story in all four of the Gospels. And those of you who are familiar with the Word of God will know that not everything in the Gospels shows up in all four of the Gospels, but in Matthew 26, you see Judas and the story of Judas's betrayal. You see the story of Judas's boasting. Some of you are like, say what? What do you mean boasting? That's what I thought as well at first. And you'll see Peter in his boasting and betrayal. And I realized as I was reading that, I felt the Holy Spirit shining the light on my heart that all of us, have boasting and betrayal to deal with. That all of us have a propensity to boast about what we're going to do for Jesus and about what Jesus should be doing, just like Judas and Peter did. And we therefore, because of our boasting, we also live with our sense of betrayal of Jesus. Most especially at the end of the year. And if we are not dull-hearted, but we have sensitive hearts towards the Lord, very often that sense of betrayal is very strong to the measure of our boasting at the beginning of the year. And you say, well, what kind of boasting? I'm talking about New Year resolutions. Now, Judas is boasting It's a little more subtle. It's a bit more difficult to see, but it's right there at the beginning of Matthew 26. And the parallel scripture account of that is in John chapter 12, but um, where we see in John chapter 12, verse 4, that actually it was indeed Judas Iscariot that was the person that was the main boaster in that moment. And that boasting was a boasting in his heart that he was better than Mary 
and that he was better than Jesus because he knew what Mary should have done with that or alabaster jar and he knew better than Jesus about what Mary should have done with that alabaster jar. We see in Matthew chapter 26 that he was in this house in Bethany, the house of Simon the leper, and uh, a woman who we know from other gospels was Mary. She came, that's not the mother of Jesus, a different Mary. It's Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. And she came and she took the most expensive thing that she had in her possession, no doubt, or at least one of them, and she broke it on Jesus. And that's a whole nother message, a message on extravagant love for Jesus, because she was the only one among them all who understood that Jesus was actually about to die. All of the others were in complete denial that he was going to deny, that he was going to die. They didn't want that to be his mission. None of his 12 disciples wanted it to be his mission. They wanted his mission to be a political takeover of Israel and a liberation from the Roman occupiers just like God had done for Israel in setting them free from slavery in Egypt. And they thought, okay, if Jesus, you are a legitimate Messiah, you are going to make our lives in this world a way better life. Be careful, everybody. That's not Jesus's mission for your life. The Bible tells us that there were the disciples, and in fact, everyone around the table were indignant. And one of them, Judas, he turns around and he says, that very expensive alabaster jar and its perfume worth 300 denarii, which is like $75,000, should have been sold and given to the poor. And Jesus said, leave her alone. What she's done, it's the most beautiful thing. She's prepared me for burial. And her, what she has done is going to be preached and talked about all over the world, wherever the gospel's preached. It will be remembered forever. And our eldest daughter, Jess, when she was in Mozambique, she had a, she had a, encounter a deep vision with Jesus. And Jesus showed Jess in technicolor and also in all the senses, him on the cross, hanging on the cross. A few days later, it was actually six days later, hanging on the cross. And he still, he still was, his whole body had the fragrance of that perfume as he hung and died. And then she saw that actually, actually Jesus was the father's alabaster jar that he broke over the world and filled the world with the fragrance of the Holy Spirit. And that it was a prophetic type of what Jesus was about to do. And then on top of that, it just happened that while she was in that village, in that vision, she was uh, next to one of the village, young village girls. And this young village girl, at first, when she was 
praying with her. She was in a big meeting full of a, a, a room full of about a thousand people, all villagers, more or less all villagers, uh, in Mozambique. And as she, at first, as this girl crawled up next to her and lay there, she just was overwhelmed by the smell of this girl from the village. And it was not a, it was an odor rather than a fragrance because this girl did not have access to the kind of thing that you and I take for granted all the time. And so she wasn't able to wash every day. And so as, she's, as Jess was in this vision, when she came out of the vision, she realized that this girl smelt of the fragrance that Jesus is still anointed with, Mary's anointed, anointing perfume. And everywhere Jess went, she could smell that perfume. An amazing vision. Judas's boasting is, I know what to do with a $75,000 bottle of perfume better than Mary does and certainly better than Jesus does. And you know, Frankly, I began, to, I was, as I was waiting on the Lord, I began to realize that the Lord was saying that Judas was operating in a religious mentality. That very often our boasting starts with, well, I know what to do with my money better than anybody else does. And I don't just know what to do with my money better than everybody else. I know what to do with everybody else's money better than what they know. And you know, how many times have you discovered that someone that you looked up to or that someone that you thought was a, 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 an amazing business leader or an amazing uh, pastor or an amazing father or whatever, and you discover that they have something that to you looks extravagant and immediately on the inside, you judge them and you think, well, if, I, if it was me, I wouldn't be spending my money on that. I mean, how many of you have judged preachers who fly around in airplanes? Well, every time you think that a preacher should do something different with their money than fly around in airplanes, you sound a lot like Judas Iscariot to heaven. Because you see, we judge what we don't actually know and what deep down inside we quite like. And we're really upset because we don't have an airplane. And we think that we're worthy of an airplane. We think if God really loved us like that, he'd give us an airplane. I mean, after all, he's going to transfer the wealth of the wicked to the righteous. And we know that he is. But it's not going to come to you if you're a poor steward who just thinks that heaven's going to give them the lottery. He probably will give it to the one flying around in the airplane. Oops. You know, Kate and I, we enjoy flying in our private jet. It's fantastic. We go all over the world. And I'm telling you, private is so, flying on a private jet is so much better than going commercial. It really is. It's fantastic. And Kate and I love it. And it means that we feel less tired. It feels, it, it just feels amazing. We've just had to learn to Get used to 300 other passengers that we have to share it with. <laughs> the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, 21 and 23 that 
all things are ours. So all those United 777s and 787s, they belong to Kate and I. I love it. They're much bigger than the usual private jets as well. I love it. It's awesome. We have a party, don't we, love? Okay, back to Judas. The thing is, is that immediately after that, it was immediately after seeing what Mary did for Jesus that Judas decided, you know what? This guy is not worthy of being my Messiah. And he, de- and he decided, because Jesus didn't fulfill his agenda in his disappointment, he decided to betray Jesus. And you know what? All over the world right now, there are Christians left, right, and center that are not happy with Jesus. They're not happy with his church, and they're deciding to pull the plug and betray the church and betray Jesus, and even leave Christianity altogether. Please don't do that. That's the spirit of stupidity, not the Holy Spirit. Never, ever let your hurts lead your life. And so we see that he decides... Verse 14 of 26, then one of the 12 called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and he said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? What are you going to give me? See, that's the whole mentality of boasting. When we boast, we're the center of all of our lives. That's why we boast. And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. And so from that time, he saw opportunity to betray him. In verse 23, Jesus, filled with love for Judas, verse 23, 24, he says, Judas, somebody is going to betray me. The one who dips is going to betray me. And there's Judas dipping in the thing with him. And he's like, is it me, Lord? And he's like, you said it. And in fact, it would have been better for you if you weren't even born. I mean, listen, I want you to know that Jesus was not condemning him. Jesus was not giving him the sentence of what he was about to do. It was not a judgmental sentence. This was Jesus appealing to Judas one last time to say, Stop! Don't go through with it! Because I'm going to go to the cross anyway. But you don't need to do what you're going to do for me to, to get there. But Judas doesn't listen. Judas ends up, for time's sakes, Judas ends up, as we know, he's, the, he, he's a secret spy. He's the only one outside of the 12 that knows this secret location in Gethsemane that Jesus often prays and prays with his disciples and meets God. And he leads the soldiers and the whole crowd with all their sticks and stones and if it was America it would be our all of our weapons and everything else he takes the crowd and leads the crowd to betray Jesus be careful which crowd you hang out with not every crowd that's looking for Jesus is the right crowd to be with because they've got different motives in their hearts And you can tell a person's motives by what they boast about. And as a result of that, he runs up to Jesus and the very sign of what he's going to, of who Jesus is and which one to take, the very sign of that is it's the one that I kiss, the one that I'm intimate with. Did you know that intimacy 
with the wrong Jesus who's a figment of your imagination can lead you to betray Jesus? Okay, so then we move on to Peter. Oh, and then the tragic end. Let me just say this. The very saddest thing about Judas is that immediately afterwards, he was filled with remorse. And there's a big fat difference between remorse and repentance, everybody. Remorse runs away from Jesus, licks its wounds, goes into the cave of self-pity, and lets the enemy heap up accusation. That's what the name Satan means, accuser of the brethren. And if you listen to the accuser in the cave of self-pity, you will be in despair. And out of that despair, you'll think destructive thoughts. And out of those destructive thoughts, death will come knocking at your door. And that's exactly what happened to Judas. And he took his life. He hung himself. And the book of Acts chapter 1 is really gory. says that he hung himself, threw himself in the field, hung himself, and he did it so hard and violently that his guts ripped open and all of his entrails spilled out onto the ground. Let's move on to Peter. Jesus, in verse 31, Jesus tells them all, you know, I'm going to be, uh, sorry, I'm going to be, um, you're all going to be stumbling tonight because of me this night. For it's written that I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised, I'll go before you to Galilee. Peter answers him and says, even if all are made to stumble, because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Other, other versions of the gospel says, I will never deny you. Jesus says, you're all going to deny me. Not me. No, nope. all these others might deny you, but not me. Oh no, I'm not going to deny you. Oh no, Jesus. One of them, Luke says, I am ready to give my life for you, Jesus. You won't catch me denying you. Oh no, there's no sacrifice that's too hard for me, Jesus. I'm absolutely 100% ready to give my life for you, Jesus. Boasting? Absolutely. Boasting that he is better than all the other disciples and boasting that he's even better than Jesus. You see, it was Reinhard Bonnke. He's one of my heroes who said this, every religion in the world is about man making a sacrifice for God, but Christianity is the only religion in the world that's about God making a sacrifice for man. You know what? I love it that we sang. I love it that Natalie led us this morning about us laying down our lives as a sacrifice for Jesus. I love that. It was so beautiful. And yes, absolutely, that's what we want to do. But we must never, ever, ever think that laying down our lives for Jesus is what he wants of us more than us thanking him that he laid his life down for us. And so Jesus says to him, <laughs> verse 34, Assuredly I say to you, Pete, that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. 
Whoa, just like he said to Jesus, uh, to, to Judas, his motives in saying this was not to condemn Peter, was not to turn around and say, Peter, you idiot, you just, you suck. You're just a lousy disciple. I've been with you for three years and you've learned diddly squat. That's a good English term for nothing. No, that's not his motive. His motive right here is that he's appealing to Peter. Peter, come out of your self-assurance. Peter, come out of your, your conceit of thinking that somehow you're so good that you're such an amazing disciple that you're better than all the other disciples. Come out because you're actually about to really fall. And in fact, in, um, in Luke, Luke Luke's version in Luke 22, he says, Peter, Satan has des desires to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that you, your faith will not fail and that you would strengthen the, the beloved, the brethren, when you return to me. In other words, Jesus reminds him of the importance of faith Reminds him to lean into God. Reminds him of his calling and his purpose. And that his calling and his purpose has nothing to do with self-heroics. And everything to do with not being the hero and making Jesus the hero in everybody else's lives. Hallelujah. And you know what? If ever there's a day today where we need the Holy Spirit to help us rid ourselves in the church of our desire to become celebrities, it's today right now. Every one of us, Kate and I included, people ask me in the church, why don't you preach more? Why don't we have somebody preaching, the same preacher every Sunday? Why do we have to have a team and so on and so on and so forth? Let me tell you, 15 years people have been asking me that. I had one person in the early days take me out for coffee and tell me that the church would be about three times the size if only I would preach every week. And I looked at this man and I knew his heart was, was his desire, his motives were probably really good. But I felt just like Jesus. Well, I didn't feel just like Jesus. I felt a tiny little bit of what Jesus must have felt. When Peter tried to stop him going to the cross. When Satan said, tried to make him throw himself off the, off the temple and be spectacular in front of everybody. Guys, we are not on this world. We have not been placed on this world to make ourselves famous through social media. Really, guys. It's just not the mission that Jesus has for you. The mission that Jesus has for you is that you'll always remain in him. And if you depart from him, you'll return to him. That your boasting will not be in yourself and what you're going to do for him, but will be in him and what he's done for you. And that therefore you will avoid all betrayal because you will always return to him constantly, every day, every morning, every moment, every hour because you'll be filled with consciousness of Christ. That's what the fear of the Lord is. I believe it's the consciousness of Christ and the constraint of love. And it is impossible to walk with God without the fear of the Lord. The spirit of the fear of the Lord is one of the seven spirits listed in Isaiah.
And so guys, I just want to appeal to you as fellow members of this church with Kate and I, and Jess and Aaron and all of our leadership team, all of our staff and all of our amazing bivocational team. Lean into Jesus. Always trust in him. And if you're going to boast, be like the Apostle Paul and boast in this one thing, that you, the, that the world has been crucified to you and you to the world because you boast in Christ and Christ alone. And then go out and be excellent. And then go out and be amazing. And then go out and make your resolutions, but in his power and in his strength. So he gets all the glory and you don't have to look this time next year and feel that sense of betrayal and regret and wishing that you had done what you said you would do, but you didn't because everything you said you would do was boasting. And Peter says, even if I have to die with you, Jesus, I will not deny you. And then all of his disciples said the same. Says it right there. And so said all of his disciples. Well, I'm not going to take the time to read it, but you can read the story from Matthew 26, 69 to 75, to 75, Peter spectacularly betrays Jesus. Spectacularly. He even drops the F-bomb left, right, and center. This is the guy who's the only human being other than Jesus up till that point that's walked on water. This is one of them, the three that Jesus invited to do all kinds of things that the other nine never got to do like the transfiguration. He saw Jesus feed 5,000. He saw from five loaves and two fish. He saw Jesus feed the 4,000. He saw, he saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. He saw Jesus heal the lepers. He saw Jesus open the eyes of the blind. He had Jesus lay hands on him and was given power and authority. He had as much as any human being has ever had of three years walking with Jesus. And here he is, and he's confronted by a good-looking, I'm adding that bit in, slave girl. And I bet she, being a slave girl, I bet she was reasonably scantily dressed for a cold night. And he's sitting there, and she says, you've been with Jesus. You're one of them. I have not. Yes, you have. I saw. No, I've never, ne never known that. I don't know who you're talking about. And then another one. And she says, hey, you definitely have been with him. You have even got his accent. You know, it's really hard to deny when Jesus has a strong Galilean accent. You know, it's a bit like those northerners in, the, in that mining village that Kate grew up with. If you think that my wife has an accent, her friends that she grew up with, they all talk like that. You're right, Linda. I'm going down to a pub tonight, Linda. Oh, yeah. All right, then. I'll see you down pub then. All right, then, me duck. All right, then. Try, duck. Try, duck. All right, then. I promise you that's English. It's just not English like you've ever known. We have that here in the United States, don't we? Yeah, you should just put the recorder on and listen to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Judas betraying Jesus is betrayed by his own accent. My brother Murray, he has this saying, I love it. He got it from someone at work when he was a, an accountant with KPMG. He has this saying, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, but it's the same old face staring you back in the mirror when you get there. <laughs> there are some things about you that you can't get rid of no matter how much you try to betray Jesus and betray the world as to who you are. You're you. And that's that. So you might as well let you die and rise in Christ. And let Jesus be the best you that's ever walked this planet. With or without that accent. <laughs> Man, I'm having fun today. Is it because it's the last Sunday of the year? <laughs> so, Peter ends up right after, oh, then, the, then, then the, a little crowd says, Hey, Peter. Hey, hey, dude. Not Peter. They didn't know it was Peter. Hey, dude. Surely, verse 73, you are one of them, for your speech betrays you. And then he began to curse. He began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. And immediately, a rooster crowed, just like Jesus said it would. When Jesus kindly warned him, this is about to happen. And Judas is so full of his own resolutions for the year that he never took notice of Jesus' kind warning. Not only that, when Jesus went into Gethsemane and prayed three times, he encouraged Peter to pray with him, encouraged all the disciples to pray with him because the hour of their trial was about to come and his trial was about to come. They fell fast asleep. That sounds a lot, a lot like Duncan Smith with all of his resolutions. Lord, I am going to pray like I have never prayed before in 2024. You're going to see me go, Lord. I'm going to set the alarm for 5 a.m. No, no, it's 2024. It's going to be 4 a.m. I am setting the alarm for 4 a.m. Yeah, baby. Oh. And then I go to sleep. And the alarm goes off at 4 a.m. And I'm like, Phew. Are you kidding me? I had no idea that it was that painful. How many of you can relate to what I'm talking about? If you're really honest, every hand goes up in the room. The rest of you are liars. That's what I'm talking about right there. And he went out and he wept bitterly. You know, here's the deal. Last year, Many of you in this room, if not all of us, we made a resolution or two or three or four. I'd like to suggest that most of those were boastings. 
Here we go. In 2023, at this, at, in December 22, you may have said this. I'm going to pray more, fast more, read my Bible more, give more, serve the poor more, connect more. I'm going to make more friends. I'm going to witness about Jesus more. I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to lose weight. <laughs> I'm going to get more fit. I'm going to get more sales. I'm going to make more money. I'm going to go on and become stronger in myself. I'm going to have better vacations. I'm going to give up alcohol. I'm going to give up prescription drugs. I'm going to give up smoking. I'm going to give up credit card spending. I'm going to give up pornography. I'm going to give up the sexually immoral relationship that I have. I'm going to change my friends in 2023. You betcha. I'm going to get a new set of friends. Yep. I'm going to stop cheating on my taxes. Wow. I'm going to start that business I've always wanted to start. I'm going to call my elderly parents or my elderly grandparents way more in 2023 than I ever did in 2022. I'm going to love my kids more. I'm going to spend more time with my kids. I'm going to go to the foot, soccer, football, volleyball, basketball, swimming, you name it, and watch my children more. I'm going to invest in maybe discovering the names of my children. I'm going to even learn my children's friends' names. Actually, many of you in this room, you didn't even bother with that one. How many of you, if you went to heaven and Jesus said to you, name me three of your children's best friends' names, would be able to tell Jesus straight off, boom, boom, boom. Just let that settle. That's good. I'm glad. That's really good. Just let it settle. That's all. It, it's just a little something just to think about. Here's the deal, everybody. If you made any of those, you're probably like me, feeling regret now. See, resolutions that are made in our own strength lead to disappointment and regret and betrayal. A sense of betrayal. A sense of betrayal that we betrayed ourselves. A sense of betrayal that we betrayed our family. A sense of betrayal that we betrayed our best friends, our colleagues at work. A sense of betrayal towards God, that we never became that amazing spiritual person that we so long to become. And I've got some good news for you, everybody. Jesus never wanted you to become any of that. There's only one thing he wanted to happen to you, that you would die in him on a deeper level over and over and over again so that he could rise in you over and over and over again, every day, every moment, and be the glorious champion that he is and you will never be without him. He's not interested in you reading the Bible so that you can impress him. He's just simply not into the idea that you're going to make a lot of money so that you can fund the kingdom. His kingdom's not that poor. I hear people all the time saying, oh man, you know what? When this business deal goes through, when I get my promotion, when I win the lottery, when God transfers the wealth of the wicked to me, man, am I, I'm going to be so generous. I'm going to give to the church. I'm going to give to the poor. I'm going to give to my family. I'm going to give to my brothers and sisters. I hate my brothers and sisters. But when they see how much I'm going to give them, when I become a billionaire, I'm going to bless them. 
And then they'll be my friends. Then they'll have to like me because they'll have all my money and I'll be so impressive. Let me just, let me just break the news to you guys. Okay. If you're not generous with $10, you will never be generous with $10 million. Simple as that. Because greed grows as the, dollar, as the zeros grow. That's what, that's what Judas's issue was. $75,000, if that was mine, if I owned that bottle of perfume, I'd have sold it and given it to the poor. When my business is successful, man, am I ever going to be generous? That's the spirit of Judas. Just put it to death. Heaven's not impressed. So I want you to turn to Romans 8. I'll show you what heaven is impressed with. Heaven is impressed with the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. Heaven is impressed with the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Father is impressed with his Son, Jesus. Jesus, the Son, is impressed with the Father. And the Father and the Son are both impressed with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Father and the Spirit of the Son. And he's the Spirit who is love himself. And you and I have been crucified with Christ. That means we've died, been buried, and been raised with Christ. And now we're the beloveds in the beloved in the love of the lover. And we can be filled with the Holy Spirit every single day. And that is impressive to the Holy Spirit. That makes you irresistibly, irresistible to the Holy Spirit. He will be irresistibly drawn to you to maximize Christ on the inside of you through your life. He will fill you and show you with every single resolution he wants you to make. There's something better than your self-made resolutions for 2024, and that is the knowledge of the will of your heavenly father for your life for the year 2024. And if you can just draw back from the temptation to be the I'm gonna into the Jesus has done it, it is finished, okay, Lord, what would you like me to do this year? Would you please lead me every day of the rest of 2020, of 2024? May 2024 be the year that the Holy Spirit in me leads me in the will of the Father like I've never, ever known before. Would the Holy Spirit, would you please, Holy Spirit, and I'm asking you even in this ask, in your strength, would you give me a heart to know you, a heart to love you, a heart to want to say yes to every tiny beck and call. Lord, by the end of this next year, would you have worked in me such sensitivity to Jesus that one tiny glance, one little whisper, one tiny sense of the Father's hug would be enough for me to have the most accomplished life that I've ever had for your glory. Mm. <sighs> Romans 8. So then, verse 8, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Let me just read that again. 
So then those of us in Catch the Fire who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they're not his. But if Christ is in you, the body's dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. You are righteous because he's righteous in you. You're holy because he's holy in you, not because you fast and read the Bible. Although fasting and reading the Bible is so important to help you be conscious of him. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. What's that saying? He will fuel every resolution that you can think of in obedience to his will. Here, the same spirit that kaboom raised Jesus from the dead will kaboom in you to enable you to do all the things that you've purposed to do. And if he asks you to get up in the morning at 4 a.m. to pray, you will leap out of bed because the Holy Spirit will fill you and knock you out of bed. And he goes on to say, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth to be worthy to be compared with the glory that's about to be revealed in us in 2024. For the earnest expectation of all of creation all around you is eagerly waiting for the revealing of you, the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Woo! Because the creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious freedom or liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole of creation is groaning and laboring with birth pangs together till now, not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves, we just have no idea how to pray, but we groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. And it goes on, we don't know in our weakness how to pray, but the Holy Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be alt uttered. Meaning that while you're in bed going, Aah! Heaven's going, yeah, now we're talking. I understand that. All of those careful words that sounded so impressive, man, they were just nuts. Okay. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And then verse 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Let's stand, everybody. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, nothing in all of creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Can you put that last photo, the photo I sent? Could you put that up, please? This is where I want you to be 
in the spirit. You see, that's a photograph I took this morning, a selfie. It's not going on social media. Oh, unless my wife already put it on. But that is me this morning doing my daily cold plunge. And I had no desire to put that. I didn't even enter my thought that I would do, be showing you this this morning. But Kate said to me, honey, you need to show that photo to everybody. You see, we've realized that that's who we are in Christ. You see, I'm immersed. I mean, obviously, to my shoulders. But you can't see me. I'm in the cold water. And I was in that cold water for four minutes. And that is my 18th cold plunge. During that last 18 cold plunges, once a day, more or less, all the pain that I've had as chronic pain for several years now has started to diminish. And I didn't do anything except get in the water. And the cold and the water, they did their work on me. And if you can remember this image, not get in a cold plunge, although I do recommend it to you, but know that you in Christ, conscious that you're in Him, He will begin to start manifesting Himself to you as tangibly as that cold water manifests itself to me. And He will start to heal you. He'll start to work on all your wrong attitudes and the frustrating things about you that you just can't seem to overcome. He's going to take care of it. That inflammation of your ego is just going to go. That joint pain of all your relational dysfunction is just going to go. That lack of motivation is just going to go. He's going to start producing dopamine and He's going to start producing all of those, what's that other one in the brain? Serotonin and all, serotonin and all those amazing things. But it's going to be in the spirit. And by the end of this time next year, we as a church family, may we have no regrets. And may we look back and say, 2024 was the year that Jesus truly took over my life. And if that's what you want, and you just want to present yourself to him, and take a cold plunge in him, I want you to come out here to the front. Just tell him, Lord, this is the life that I'm looking for. I'm not, I'm not calling up the prayer team right now on all of you, all of us, including the prayer team immersed in him. Just come on up. We're just going to take a moment. And prayer team, you can start working in a few minutes. But right now, just make room. Come on up to the front. Keep coming, keep coming, everybody. There's a lot of people getting in this cold tub right now, this cold tube. It's actually, it's funny. Here's the thing. When you get into a cold pool, cold bath, take a cold shower, if your skin is immersed in any cold water, the moment you get out, and especially if you get into anything that's slightly warmer, your skin will burn. It will feel like you're on fire. It was hilarious watching our eldest grandson. He's like, Papa, you get in for three minutes. I'm going to do five minutes. I said, okay, no problem. That'll be awesome. 
He got in for five seconds. And he rushed into the hot tub. And you know what? It was so funny watching his expression. He's like, what's happening to me? Because it sets you on fire. That's what we want the Holy Spirit to do right now, church. We want to be a church on fire. So just begin to just get lost for a moment. Just get lost with Jesus. Just start asking His forgiveness for all of those resolutions you made in your own strength this time last year. And ask His forgiveness for the feelings of betrayal that came from the boasts and all of the regrets and just let them let them float away in Christ Jesus in the ocean of his love in the purity of his blood and just let it all go say Lord I'm so sorry I had all these intentions to be a better human being than I've been this year but I realized I had those intentions outside of consciousness with you I let it all go Lord and here in this place of immersion in Christ Jesus in you Lord I give you 2024 would you fill me with the Holy Spirit would you fill me with courage make me brave Would you help me to lean every moment of every day on you? Would you be the gentle and loud voice when necessary on the inside of me to keep me walking with you? That I would live a life that's worthy of you, Jesus that's pleasing to you this year? Would you show me the Father's will this year? Lord, I give you myself. I give you my wife, my husband. I give you my children. I give you my work. I give you my business. I give you my money. I give you my time. I give you my will. I give you my ways. I give my whole self to you because you gave your whole self to me. Would you come and fill me, Holy Spirit, and totally and utterly take over my life in 2024 and let it be the best year I've ever lived in you, with you. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.